This is the audio of Bible study taught by Pastor Adam Moline from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. You can find our website at goodshepherdlincoln.org, and there's a uh, treasure trove of other information available there as well. Uh, let's get into Bible study now. All right. Let's go ahead and we're going to get started. You may need a copy of the materials that doesn't have one. All right. Last time we left off on page 13. We were working on going through the Ten Commandments, and um, we got through the first three in record speed. <laughs> so at that rate, you know, only six more months on the Ten Commandments. So, no, I'm just joking. Uh, also, you see, I'm, I'm going to try and get these recorded more clearly than before, so they should be available. We're going to get them at least on my podcast and maybe even on the KNNA theological programming. So if you miss a week, uh, hopefully the audio will be available there for you to go back and listen to. So that's we're, we're working on it. Um, Technology is great when it works, and when it doesn't, then it's the vicar's fault. So, yeah, where are the podcasts at? Um, Pastor Poppy and I use uh, Spotify now, it's called Spotify for Podcasters, and that automatically puts it on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and about six other places. So, um, if you look up KNNA Theological Programming, you'll get all the, the theology shows we do on the radio. If you look up With Intrepid Heart Sermons, you'll get my sermons. And if you look up, uh, the, this is a very creative name, Pastor Poppy Sermons, <laughs> you'll get Pastor Poppy Sermons. So uh, look in those places and that's, uh, that's where you can find those podcasts. Is he going to do any more sermons until he retires? Or? Mm-hmm. Yep, he'll he'll preach just about every other week until until he retires. So um, he'll be available there. All right. So last time we're on page thirteen, we went through the first three commandments, and we tried to talk about what those are saying, and um, we talked about how those three commandments reflect our relationship with God. This vertical aspect between humanity and God, and so they deal with God. We're going to pick up then with the next four, uh, and they deal not between God and people alone, but also between people and the other people around them. And so we have this horizontal aspect of it. Uh, How do we interact with each other as Christians? And that's what we're going to start going through today. I also want to remind you, as we went through the first three, um, I don't know the right way to ask it. How many of you broke the first commandment, right? Hopefully all of you realize that. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll go back. We can do it again. Uh, second commandment, third commandment, the same way. We all break these three commandments. We're all sinful and thereby in need of Christ. Okay, so fourth commandment is honor your father and your mother. And this This commandment then deals with authority. Authority, okay? Deal properly with the people who are in authority uh, over you or with you. 
And that's why it starts with, maybe you have never thought of this, the beginning of all authority is actually the family, right? Um, when you're born, what authority are you under to start with? Yeah, your father and your mother. Uh, now I know there's exceptions, right? Um, where one of them dies or there's a broken home, things like that. But in the general understanding, your first authority is your mom and your dad. And their job is to teach you what's right and what's wrong. And when you do the things that are right, mom and dad's job is to... Yeah, well, when you do something right, they praise you or award you or, or something like that. When you do something wrong, to discipline you so that you learn what's right and wrong. And that's the foundation for all authority. But it's not the end of authority. Because we can go from there. The family is the main building block. And the next level, maybe we would say we have the local government. And maybe that's not a good way for us to think about it in Lincoln, but if you're in a small town, your next level of authority is the mayor and the city council and the cop um, who, when you're in Hankinson, North Dakota, where I lived before, you know, um, if, you, if you ran the stop sign in town, what'd the cop do? pull you over and give you a stern talking to, right? Unless you're the pastor. And then, <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> so you have that next layer of authority, the local government. And we can build it up all the way. You have the state government. You have um, the federal government. You have all these layers of authority, which all have their foundation in the way that a family works. And the government's job, when you do well... What's their duty? I know you're all like, I don't know, to tax me more? No. Um, to, well, to leave you alone and, and let you do your things, to, to be glad for your success and things like that. When you do bad, what's their job? To, yeah, to discipline, to punish again. Okay? And so you have this authority built in. And so you have government... And that means police officers, right? That means uh, elected officials, um, or if we live in a different society, unelected officials, whether we like them or not, hold a position of authority over us. And as Christians then, when it says, honor your father and mother, that means we submit to the authorities. We pray for the authorities, starting with mom and dad, Okay, we do what mom and dad say. If mom and dad say be home at 1 o'clock, what time are you home? 12.59, right? No, just either. <laughs> You're home by the time they say. You respect the authority. Um, in the same way, the authorities... I'm going to try not to get political here, but I want to point this out. The authorities say that smashing windows of businesses and setting things on fire is wrong. So as Christians, should we be involved in anything like that? No. Okay? We could say it on both sides. <laughs> um, that means we shouldn't break into the Capitol building. If you're on the one side, that's the one that you care about. 
And you shouldn't um, break down buildings and set them on fire um, for BLM either, right? Because in both cases, the authority says everybody has their right to property, okay? So we can get on both sides of it, and both sides have their issues. Um, how do I ask this the right way? Do we always do what we ought to do in respect to our authorities as Christians, as people? No, okay, give me some examples. Um, how about, oh, go ahead, Kyle. If the vic, yeah, the vicar speeds all the time. Okay, yeah. That, that is violating the law put in place rightfully by the proper authorities. Okay? Um, what if you don't like the law? Yeah, Vicar would like to drive 50 miles an hour, not 25 miles an hour. What's he supposed to do? Follow the law. Okay. Now it gets tricky sometimes. <laughs> okay. The government said um, that for a long time, the law of the land was it was the woman's right to abort a baby. Now, as Christians, do we support that law? No. So what do we do? We, well, we could protest within the legal realm, work to have the law changed. Um, is it right to do things like, so when I was a kid, there was a sniper shooting people at abortion clinics. Is that right? No, because again, what's the law say? <laughs> yeah, you shall not kill. And that's, that's not only God's law, that's also the state law. But we, we can work within the system correctly to get laws changed. Um, sometimes, though, the law gets even worse, right? So... I want to pick on California for a second. Anybody from California? Okay. It's like Florida, but worse. <laughs> Say that for the vicar's sake. Okay. <laughs> um, California, uh, when the pandemic came, closed churches for years. What do we do there? Yeah, we in that case, when when the the civil law directly contradicts God's law, and the civil government says you must contradict God's law, in that instance, we must obey God rather than man. But again, we do so. Only in the issues where it contradicts God's law. That doesn't give us, again, the right to burn down buildings or to... What was, it? was it in Michigan where they tried to assassinate the governor? Yes. Okay? That's not right either. <laughs> okay? So, 
We respect and honor the authorities. We do what they say uh, to the best of our ability, so long as they do not contradict God's word directly. That makes sense. Now, how many of you have kept all the laws perfectly that exist in our state, city, and nation? (laughs) That's good, right? Okay. Um, I'm not saying all of us are convicts or anything like that. All of us struggle with this on those levels. How about how many of you listened perfectly to your mom and dad when you were a kid? I, I don't know why I find that so hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, all of us had run-ins with mom and dad at some point over something, right? Even before we realized what was going on, okay? Um, I don't remember doing it. My parents have the lamp still that apparently I broke when I was little, like one or two. And they glued back together because it's an old porcelain lamp. And uh, they always say, you broke that lamp. I don't remember, but I did. (laughs) Okay. All of us have disobeyed, have spoken poorly of, have been angry at authorities from mom and dad all the way up. And as a result, all of us are sinful. And all of us have broken this commandment in one way, shape, or form. All right, questions about the fourth commandment? Trying to just fly over the top of these real briefly. Okay, on to the fifth commandment then, which is you shall not murder. Okay, how many of you, besides the vicar, (laughs) have murdered someone and have a body in your freezer? Okay. (laughs) Right. Okay. Finally, one that we have kept, right? We finally, we haven't killed anybody. But we get all cocky about this one commandment. We're halfway through and maybe we've kept one. And then Jesus tells us something more. Scripture says, uh, Jesus says in there, um, it said, it is written, you shall not murder. But I tell you the truth. If you so much as say raka or fool to your neighbor, then you have murdered him in your heart. Or if your anger uh, is kindled against your neighbor, or you hate someone who's your neighbor, that you have murdered them in your heart. And all of a sudden, when Christ says those words, what happens to our record on this one commandment? <laughs> It goes down the tubes, right? Okay, because the vicar, when he's driving 100 miles an hour through neighborhoods uh, and is mad at the sweet little old lady driving the Buick in front of him and is yelling at her and honking the horn and cursing, what's he done in his heart? Murdered her, according to the words of Christ. Okay, so don't get cocky just because you haven't physically killed someone. You still have broken this commandment. There's other things here, too, that we need to talk about that are issues in our society. We kind of have mentioned abortion already. As Christians, what's our issue with, the, with abortion? It takes the life of a baby. 
Okay? And, and we would, when, when does it become a baby? We need to answer that question. Right, and that's what the scriptures teach, right? Uh, and we, interestingly, we talk about it. We know we're sinners at the moment of our conception, right? David says, um, surely I was sinful from birth. In sin did my mother conceive me, okay? It doesn't mean what your mom did that brought about your conception was sinful, necessarily. What it means is the moment of your conception, you already had sin, which means you're already what? A person, Okay, Um, we could go to other scriptures where it says you were knit together in your mother's womb. Okay, that means you're already a person at the moment of your conception. So in in your mom, you were already a person. And for that reason, we don't we don't support taking the life of that person. Okay, so that's from conception. There's even now discussion in our society about, well, if the baby comes out and we don't like something about it, we should be able to po- post-birth abort it. Okay? What do Christians say about that? No. No. Okay? How about, um, you know, there, if we find out our health is not going to be very good, right now in our society we could go to Washington, and what can we have done in Washington? Assisted suicide, right? Okay. Do we support that as Christians because of this commandment? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Boy, what are you Boers teaching them? I don't just... <laughs> they have assisted suicide in Washington. Yeah, they have assisted suicide in Washington. Okay. They have it in Canada also. In fact, in... Um, from what it appears in Canada, it's moving from you're free to do it to since they have the health care system the way it is there, if what you have is too expensive, we're going to choose it for you. Okay? It seems like it's headed that direction in Canada. Okay? Uh, and that's called um, euthanasia, right? Not, not young people living in China, euthanasia, but E-U-T-H euthanasia um, a good death is what it means in Greek but that's not what it is who's the one in charge of life and death God so we let him be in charge of that and and by extension then uh, what about so not assisted suicide what about regular suicide what do we say about that no we, we would not support that at all it is not good it is sin it is sin we all know people that have had that, though, right? That have killed themselves. Um, my very first funeral was a suicide. Okay? When we say it's sin, that's true, and you should know that, and that should make you very nervous about the idea. But at the same time, are we the ones who see faith that's hidden beneath disease or anything like that? So can we automatically say everybody who killed themselves went to hell? No, okay? It's up to God. God knows, and that's where we look and we trust, okay? I wanted to say that part as well. Okay, yes, Char. What happened, or what is it? When the doctor tells a person, you're old, you have to make it through surgery, so they don't do it. Mm-hmm. I have a friend right now who's going to die. Yeah. That's a, 
A good question, right? Because we all have people that have heard those things as well. Um, we live in an age where we have very, very uh, talented, uh, very technologically savvy medical uh, abilities, right? Where they can do a lot of things to extend our life. Little things like um, hip replacements to big things like bypass surgeries or cancer surgeries. Okay? And so that's great, and we should take advantage of it where we're able to. At the same time, if we're naturally dying, we're not required to try and do things just to extend our life. So um, if I have stage 4 cancer, and the doctor says you have a 2% chance of living through all the treatments, right? It's okay for me to say, I trust in God. I'm not going to go through surgeries, amputations, and all these things for a 2% chance. It's okay to trust in God in that, that. And in that instance, you're not bringing about your death. You are letting death come at God's good timing. So, we're going to die one way or the other eventually. We never want to cause the death. And it's okay to work to avoid death, right? That's why, um, you know, working out or exercising is a good thing, <laughs> right? Or not eating three plates full of bacon every morning is a good thing. We, we are free to do those things but we can allow death to take place naturally. Would hospice care fall? You knew you were going to ask hospice care. Yeah. Okay. I w- hospice care does a lot of really good things. It can. Sometimes they go a little bit too far, I think. Where it's almost assisted. Where it's almost assisted. Okay. Um, in North Dakota, one of my members had cancer and was dying. His mom and his dad were there at his house every day. His wife was at his house every day. Hospice was coming. He was dying. Mom and dad did not get along with wife. They did not like each other. And so it was tense. And wife got tired of mom and dad coming every day while this man was dying. Hospice had left her, like in Saving Private Ryan, there were those little morphine things, and you poked the person, right? They'd left some of those for her to give her husband every time he was in enough pain that he needed it. We go in, mom and dad come, I'm praying. Wife gave him more of those than she should have brought about death. I think sometimes, too, even in the hospitals and things like that, the amount of morphine they give causes death. That's the part to be wary of. I'm not saying hospice is bad or that you should not use hospice. All I mean with all this to say is 
communicate. Yeah, have a good plan of care. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and think about it now before you're in the midst of the treatment. Boy, does that sound fair? Hospice does a lot of really good things and the great things. We don't want to use it to cause death. Okay. Not through that one. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody threw anything, so we're in good shape. <laughs> okay. Um, but doesn't some of this have its roots in our society avoiding suffering? It absolutely does. And quality of life being the most prominent. Yes. Education. Yes. We have made that into an idol uh, to go back to the first commandment from last week. So. You're free. I keep telling my wife and my kids that when I, if, if I'm suffering and struggling at the end, I don't want morphine and things. Because what's it do? It, it puts you out so that you're not suffering. But it also puts you out so that when I come, <laughs> you don't know that I'm there and you don't hear the word that I speak or receive the sacraments, right? Or participate in the commendation of the dying. We have a service we do when people are dying. I think out of all my years of being a pastor, there's only been one or two times where the person dying has still been awake for the commendation of the dying because usually they're already on morphine and unconscious. Okay? So think about these things. Call the pastor... Before you are put into a coma. <laughs> you know what I mean? And maybe this sounds silly. It's important to hear God's word too. And so make that a priority. Let your family know. <laughs> we had a person whose family weren't members of the church. And so when they got sick, the person just disappeared. And we ended up calling all the places around town trying to find them so we could bring God's Word to them. Um, talk to your family. Make a plan. Don't bring about your death. Know that this present suffering, this is Paul's words, is not worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed in the resurrection. If you get sick, stage 4 cancer, I visited a guy in North Dakota who had stomach cancer. For a month, he was in the VA hospital in Fargo, and every breath that he took while I saw him that month, uh, he exhaled with the word help. Help, 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 help. Right? It was terrible suffering. Take that month and compare it time-wise to the amount of time you're going to be in God's kingdom of heaven. What percentage of that time is the suffering of that last month. Yeah. Approaching zero, <laughs> little, compared to the glory that is to be revealed in Christ Jesus. So I'm not saying that you have to suffer, just saying think about all the things related to it. Okay, so we, questions. We talked about abortion, we talked about euthanasia talked about hospice, we talked about um, anger and, and hatred um, for your neighbor. 
Okay. Boy, I feel like there's something else I wanted to talk about. Questions. Okay. Let's see if we can get to the sixth commandment, too. All right? You shall not commit adultery. This is the commandment that God sets up to protect. So if the fifth commandment protects God's gift of life, the fourth commandment protects God's gift of authority, the sixth commandment protects God's gift of marriage. Okay? And um, to protect it, what's the issue that affects marriage? It's adultery, right? Um, So God puts in place a law to protect God's gift of marriage. In the beginning, when God creates the heavens and the earth, He makes them male and female. We we read about that a couple weeks ago. And then God takes the man and the woman that He has made, and He unites them together in marriage, saying, um, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Okay, that's the foundation for marriage. God created marriage in the garden before the fall into sin. And so it is even a good gift uh, about which God said it is good before sin. For that reason, we, we uphold marriage is very important. We use the scriptural definition for marriage, right? Uh, the text says in Genesis, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his Wife, okay? It doesn't say some men shall leave their fathers and mothers and hold fast to their wife. So how many men? One. And it doesn't say a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wives. How many wives are acceptable? I see now all the wives are like, yeah, one. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, one man, one woman, that's what marriage is. Pastor, isn't there polygamy in the scriptures? Isn't there, doesn't Abraham have Sarah and uh, Hagar? Doesn't um, Jacob have more than one wife? Yes. And how did it go? (laughs) Very poorly. poorly. Okay. Um, A couple weeks ago on Sunday morning, we had the text about Hagar and Sarah. And the two of them started fighting with each other. And Jacob had four wives, and how did it go? The four of them all were fighting with each other, and he had a favorite wife, and the children born from his favorite wife were his favorite children. And parents, how does it work to have a favorite child? <laughs> does that go well? No, and it didn't for Jacob either. They, they threw Joseph in a well, they sold him as a slave. Take that, favorite child. Okay? All those things demonstrate that even though practically it sometimes happens in this world, it is not good because it is not according to God's institution. Okay? Um, So, one man, one woman, and how long does marriage last? Yeah. Till death do we part. All right? We even say that in the service. It's not forever. Jesus says... They try to trick him. They say, there was a woman, her husband died, so her husband's brother married her, and all the way down until seven brothers had married her and all died. When she wakes up in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? And Jesus says, you fools, you don't know what the scriptures teach. (laughs) 
There will not be marriage in the resurrection because in, mar in the resurrection, what's the most important relationship? Yes, with Christ, not with your spouse. Will you see your spouse? Yes. Will you know your spouse? Yes. But there will be no more children in the resurrection. Will all, all the people will be made. And there will be no marriage because, in a sense, you're married to God. Okay? In that sense. So, till death do we part. Now, right away, till death do we part says what thing is not good? <laughs> Divorce. Divorce, where marriage ends before death do we part. That's not good. Does it happen? Yes, and why? <laughs> because of sin, right? Uh, because every single marriage... Okay, and here the wives can agree also, right? <laughs> uh, is the husband sinful in every marriage? Yes. All right, men, now your turn. Are the wives sinful? <laughs> yes. And putting two sinners together, what's that often cause? Conflict and disagreement and arguments that sometimes leads to divorce. Okay, that's not good. It's not what we want. Sometimes it happens. Um, what else? So that's marriage. Questions specifically about marriage. I think we ought to uphold marriage. We ought to encourage more marriage. Parents, encourage your kids to get married um, to a faithful Christian <laughs> early and have lots of Christian children. Okay? Our society doesn't teach that anymore, right? Uh, they, have you see, my generation, so I'm turning 40 next year. Have you seen this? All the... People in my generation who put off marriage and children for career, and now especially women are getting to my age and are not able to have children as easily, if at all, and they feel this terrible sadness because they've lost out on that. Okay, Uphold marriage, support people in marriage, uh, not just to get married, but even in their marriages. They deal with the issues and the challenges, support them and care for them. Uh, in all those things. It's a good thing. Whew. Yes? Very sinful on the subject. We see so much of it. Oh, it's a touchy subject. Transgenders. We're getting... Male, male, female, female. We're getting there. That's the next thing after we establish the positive part, right? Yeah. This is what marriage is. Does okay. Transgender also follow under... I was going to say it earlier, you shall not murder because you're doing harm. The doctor's doing harm to yeah. another person or not? Am I out of line? If I, if I was a doctor, I would want to think about that really hard before I would do a surgery like that. I don't think I would do a surgery like that, but it's definitely a, something that they need to consider. Yes, I, I would... Because what, what's the fifth commandment say? We should fear and love God so that we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in their body. Okay? If I, uh, if I cut off your ear, has that hurt your body? If I cut off uh, Vicar's fingers, right, does that hurt his body? If I 
cut off his legs at the knees? Does it hurt his body? You could go through all the things. That you want to do to Vicar. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> if you guys could hold him down after class. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, we could go through all the... Now, is it sometimes beneficial for your neighbor to have part of their body cut off? I had my appendix taken out. That was really helpful, <laughs> let me tell you. Okay, It is not fun having appendicitis. Or if you have cancer and they cut out a part of your lung, that can actually help your neighbor's body. But doing it without... Yeah. So, yes. We're going to talk more about that. I want to also, since we're right off of marriage, okay... We said the definition is one man, one woman, united to life. That's not what the law of our land is right now. Okay? What's the law right now? If you love each other. (laughs) Right? And so it can be, right now legally, two men marrying each other. Two women marrying each other. I don't think it's going to be very long before it is... We all love each other, and let's all get married. Okay? I know that's an argument from the slippery slope fallacy, but just watch the things that are on TV, right? Um, we don't get TV, but I read about store, uh, shows. Doesn't, is it TLC? Yeah, okay. Sister Wives? Yeah. Okay. And where you have multiple wives married to one man, as, that's the Mormons. I don't follow it, but I've heard, I've read an article where this man, he had four wives. Well, now he's down to one because. Because what happens when you have more than one wife? <laughs> okay. In China right now, they have the opposite problem. They had the one child policy for so long that when a couple got married, they didn't want to have a daughter because their name wouldn't be passed on. The rights of being a man wouldn't be passed on to the next generation. So they aborted countless females for years and years and years and years. And now they have too many men and not enough women. And so what have they been having over there? Uh, so they, they have polygamy, but the other way around called polyandry. Multiple men married to one Woman. Again, not good. (laughs) Okay? So, all these things go outside the definition that Scripture lays out. And for that reason, we say these are sin and they're not good. And we don't support them. At the same time, like I told you with the abortion thing, we're going to go out and uh, attack people in these sins. No. What do we do? We pray for them. We speak the truth of God's word. We beg them to come alongside of us as sinners who repent. Okay? And that's important. There's a lot of Christians today. There's that church in uh, Kansas. Um, They have the website. Westboro Baptist. Westboro Baptist. They have the website, God Hates Fags, is their church name, their church website. Okay? And they go around the country saying that. That's not actually the way of bringing people to repentance. Okay? 
The truth of God's word, yes, um, for the sake of them actually repenting and hearing the word and believing it. So, it's not good, it's sin, we call it that, and we desire them to repent of their sin just like we repent of ours. And when they do, we rejoice, and we walk alongside them and support, support them in living a chaste, that's the word we use in the catechism, a chaste life. Okay? So we have that. We also need to then, whew, trying to bring it to a close here because we <laughs> we're almost out of time, and we'll have to pick up on this commandment next week also. Anything that takes place outside of marriage is also an issue as in terms of sexual activity. The example I always like to use is sexual activity is like a fire and marriage is a fireplace. Is it good to have a fire in your fireplace? Yes. And God says it this way, be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> okay? Which means, with your spouse, do what? Multiply, right? Or at least practice multiplying. <laughs> okay? When the fire comes out of your fireplace and gets on the couch, is that good? No. So keep the fire in the fireplace. With your spouse, you're free to, to have sexual activity, and God even says, go for it, but only with your spouse and not with someone who's not your spouse. That means before you're married. It means when you're engaged, you're technically not married yet. And once you're married, not with anybody that you're not married to. Whew. Okay, I see lots of red faces. I tried to do it in a, a tactful way. Any questions? Okay. Our world today, we can't leave the Sixth Commandment only there, so next week we'll keep on plugging away because there's even more that we have to talk about, but we're out of time. So, Yes, two weeks from today. We will not have Bible study next week. Thank you. Next week we have the Easter breakfast. Two weeks from today we'll pick up with Bible study again. Okay. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.